Hello, and welcome to the PPM Podcast by Rego Consulting. I'm Steve Winchester, and joining me today is the ever-wonderful and ever-cheerful Camille Pack. Hi, Steve. It's so good to hear your voice today. Well, you know, it, it's, it's a great way for us to chat since some days we, uh, don't, we go an entire day without talking with one another. So it's good to be with you today on our podcast. Um, before we jump in, we also need to make sure that everyone knows that uh, we have our uh, man behind the curtain, a Regal Creative Director extraordinaire, Michael Murdoch. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? Hey, Steve. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, if, if you take a moment to uh, leave us a five-star rating and help us grow our audience, that'd be great. Yes, because we are wanting to take the podcasting world by storm, and we need all of you to help us out. All right, enough of that self-promotion, shameless self-promotion. <laughs> Camille, what are we going to be discussing today? So we've got a reader question, the KPIs for PMOs webinar information, and an interview with Mindy Calderon. Oh, we sure love Mindy, as do our clients. Uh, I'm sure our listeners, if uh, if you have not met or uh, heard from Mindy before, you're going to respond to her insights. And she's got some great stories to tell us, too, I'm sure, because she's a, she's a wonderful storyteller. Uh, speaking of our listeners, we are grateful that you have taken the time to be with us. And if you have suggestions or if there's a topic you'd like to hear, we'd like to include that in our podcast. Please send us a note. Drop us a line. We get lonely. Uh, <laughs> so write to us at podcast at regoconsulting.com. All right, Camille, reader question time. Let's. Uh, what do we have on the docket for question today? Okay, so if you've ever found yourself sighing a little bit when a page takes a little too long to load, you might respond to this question. It is, <clears throat> we have a big page filter that loads slow. Is there a workaround so it doesn't auto-populate the records until we hit filter? When I do it, the filter doesn't work unless I go to the portlet manually and click the filter first. So this is a Clarity CAPPM question, obviously. All right. Well, I don't know how to answer this one because my answer would just be to shut everything down and restart it. <laughs> this actually happens because the page is loading every available record before the user has even had a chance to put search terms in and hit the filter button. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's the solution, right? Well, we can make it load a lot faster. The easiest workaround is to force the default to an invalid value so it doesn't show the data. And we can just change the slice period type to none, and it will speed up page load times like crazy. All right. Well, I'm sure for our listeners that are out on their morning jog or something, they may not quite remember that. So uh, we will have a link to this information in our uh, in our show notes, so that uh, if you go to regoconsulting.com, you'll see the notes on how to solve that particular dilemma of page loads. Right. And the other great news we have today is we've been teasing you with this for a while about our KPIs for PMO webinar, and we also have a white paper on the same topic, and they are both available. Yes, and very popular so far. I've noticed that we've had many downloads for this white paper, a very uh, very timely topic for many uh, PMOs right now. And by the way, you can get access to both of those at our website. The white paper is called The Guide to Measuring and Reporting on PMO Success, and the webinar panel is led by one of Rigo's great consultants, Rob Greca, who is the Senior Engagement Manager and Managing Director of Agile Services. One of the things I really liked about this, Steve, is that it points out that almost half of PMOs fell in the first few years. And a recent Gartner study found that 
many CEOs are really skeptical of the PMO office being anything more than IT overhead. And, you know, that's an interesting insight. We hear that quite frequently. And while PMOs excel at tracking all kinds of metrics, because that's kind of what they do, right? They Mm -hmm. often don't... um, they don't always measure their own key performance indicators. Um, and those are really a must if you want uh, to kind of make sure you do your your own marketing and branding uh, to keep your PMO uh, viable. Absolutely. So check out that webinar at regoconsulting.com and download the white paper. It's free, so you can pass it around. All right. Well, Camille, with all of that, what time is it now? It's my favorite. It's interview time. Today, we have Mindy Calderon joining us. (laughs) Mindy's a senior instructor with 20 years of experience in the PPM space. At various companies, she's conducted functional training for enterprise-wide project and portfolio management. And probably one of the most well-traveled people I know. Hi, Mindy. We're so glad that you joined us. Well, thank you so much for having me. So we know you've had quite the story getting into project management. How did you start? Well, I had my own business for about 16 years. I kind of stumbled into the computer industry um, without any real plan. I had changed my major in college from business to advertising since advertising required computer science. And I said there was no way I was ever going to touch a computer. Hmm. But long story short, um, wound up getting into the industry and again, had my own business for quite a while and decided that I just wanted to be more part of a team. So I uh, saw an ad for a job through Daimler Chrysler in Detroit, which is where I used to live, and applied. And it was for an instructor to also develop training materials around their project management methodology. Oh, sounds familiar. (laughs) So this is how much I knew about project management at the time. So when they called me for the interview, they said, we'd like you to put a presentation together around project management. So thank goodness for Google. I Googled some information and (laughs) understand a whole heck of a lot. Um, Put together a presentation on Microsoft Project and then went to the interview. And I spent about two minutes in the presentation And then we were just chatting in general, and I got the job. So really did not know much about project management. Learned very quickly that Microsoft Project is not really project management. It's scheduling. (laughs) And wound up uh, developing the um, training content around the PMO for Daimler Chrysler, which had merged their methodologies when they merged together back in 1997. So it was creating all of the artifacts and teaching how to do the training around following a methodology. And there's nothing that gets you into it faster than teaching, is there? No, or having to develop the materials. So it was a (laughs) learning experience, was very quickly promoted to the education and training lead, but really kept my hand in the development and in the training itself. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. That's great. So what's been the most significant change um, in PPM since you've started then? Uh, I think the awareness of the methodology in and of itself. Back when I started, um, there were organizations that were specifically teaching to PMI. Uh, I think PMI was relatively new and 
going through the project uh, management, the PMP certifications was relatively new and it seemed to be a relatively untapped industry. So there were lots of ads in the paper for project managers, lots of talk about it, but not a lot of people knowing exactly what it is. So I think the Mm. overall awareness and then just the development, uh, the tool development um, over, over time has greatly improved. So you now have tools that can help support the methodology. And I think actually help drive, uh, help to drive methodology as well. I bet. Right. Well, you know what? I don't care that much about all this PPM stuff. I What I care about <laughs> is you, Mindy, and what you've been doing over the last several months. And I understand that you attended a big wedding recently. So can you tell us about that? That's what we really want to know about. <laughs> Steve, you just know the right buttons to push. You know I'll talk about almost anything for compliments. And we'll work like a dog for compliments as well. Um, yes, I, we had a, a wonderful wedding for my daughter uh, last month. Congratulations. Thank you. And it turned out it was a nightmare getting everything organized because of the venue. But the venue wound up, um, they actually changed management and they pulled through and it was just a fabulous, fabulous wedding. It was at a... Um, a hotel that is a hotel and living, it's a boutique hotel and living museum. So they have about half a dozen across the country. So it was just really, the whole thing was just really cool. And what's a living museum. So they have, um, they, when this organization, it's called 21 C, they buy landmark buildings and then they convert them into boutique hotels and then they set up art galleries an art gallery slash museum because you can't buy anything within the hotel. So the lobby area is full of whatever the, they change art, uh, I think twice a year. So whatever, or every nine months. So whatever the art Mm. happens to be, um, it's in the lobby, it's on all the walls, it's in the restaurant, it's in the rooms. And they actually have a special gallery off of the, um, off of the lobby area. That's pretty large. So it was um, when we went and actually saw the art to begin with, it was just really cool. They also feature local, local artists. So the building itself was architected by the same architect that uh, did the um, Empire State Building. So the layout of it was very similar and it had all the original 1930s uh, signage and the original floors and it was, it had been a bank. And so it had pecan walls and these beautiful velvet curtains and the artwork was very cool. They featured a local artist and then the art changed to something called paranormal, which was, um, you have to, it's very, very different. And a couple of pieces were, we found a little disturbing, like to have cocktail. (laughs) So the museum actually, they okayed covering it and they actually paid for it, which everybody peeked behind the curtain and saw it. But it wasn't in your, it was not the major focus of the wedding. But it was just, it was really cool. So we had. Now, did you. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Did you require, I was going to ask, did you require that that the hotel provide a project manager to help make sure everything was organized properly for you? Well, we, I thought that the event coordinator would act as the project manager. Um, and (laughs) original event coordinator was not, nor was there 
director, nor was the general manager of the hotel. Um, and I think we were one. They thought that they were, but then they met you and realized that they weren't. <laughs> they met my daughter, who is more of a project manager than I am, actually. <laughs> but it wound up. It wound up. We were one. We weren't the reason they switched around, but I'm sure we had something to do with it. But the new the corporate people came in, and they are true project managers. And it literally went off. We basically went off without a hitch. That's great. Well, that, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. Now, I guess I have to take back some of what I said. We do care about PPM. That's exactly what this podcast is all about. So, you know, Mindy, you've been doing this, you know, for quite a while and you've seen a lot of changes. So for those those of people that are listening today and 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 wanting to learn something, what would you see as the most important things PPM leaders need to do or know to be successful today? That is a great question. And the I think what's needed the most is going to be that executive management support. So typically the tools are sold to executive management who then have certain expectations of what they want their PMO and what they expect out of out of the tools and out of the methodology itself. So they're basically shown and demoed soup to nuts, how well it works. It then, they sell it, it's sold, it goes, it's now implemented within an organization. And it seems the executives either have more of a hands-off approach and just want to see results, or they just maybe forgot about it and are going to look at it every quarter. And there is no direct communication down through the organization and those that are actually going to have to provide the information that's going to go into the tool and the methodology that the organization wants to have. So there needs to be... They're like, here you go, guys, run with it. Pretty much. Or here you go, and this is what we want to see in three months. Because, oh, they told us we could get it implemented in three months. And when we get it implemented in three months, you're going to show us how we're going to save $4 million. Mm-hmm. And we want it to follow exactly what our industry is, and this is what we need to develop. And the organizations that don't know much about project management methodology don't really know what to do with that. The good news is the tools, and especially the ones that we at Rego support, CAPPM primarily, is that it's built on industry standard. So if, a, if it's a brand new organization who has not really dipped their toes into formal project management and methodology, they can use the tool as it is and have a methodology basically built in. Other organizations that have methodologies um, and then, then acquire CAPPM will find that it's an extremely configurable tool. So they're able to make it fit their business process and can adapt and adopt business process around that. But executive management needs to let those that are providing that information know how important it is and needs to be supportive of that information. So they need to ask for it and they need to provide the support and the direction to the rest of the organization to follow through. Did that make sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you've met with lots of people over the years and what are the things that you're seeing are first on their mind? Like what are they being challenged to do? 
Um, again, we're coming right back to not necessarily having the executive support that they need or the organization giving them a direction. So they really need to have it. It really comes all the way back around to that kind of support and to have a better understanding of what the organization needs and the time it's going to take to do it. So the ret- So how do you tell them to offer the support that they're having a difficult time offering? Well, the organizations that allow us to interact with executive management once um, the product has been either sold or we've been brought on board to help implement it, um, the folks that we typically work with are the project managers, the PMO, um, and it could be in any industry. It doesn't have to be IT. It could be banks. It could be hospitals. It could be manufacturing facilities. Uh, any of those is that to allow us to help them understand um, where they are and what they what they can do. Uh, but they really need to make. They really need to have executive management involved in those decisions, unless their executive management says, truly has said here go run with it and spend the time um, implementing, configuring and implementing is one piece. Then the user adoption is the larger piece. And we find that organizations don't necessarily have a lot of time or money left for the user adoption piece. So I would highly encourage that not all their time and money is spent on implementation Requirement development uh, is important. Implementation and configuration is absolutely important. Uh, try and do it in an agile manner, but don't leave out user adoption. So knowledge transfer is one thing for administrators, but education is critical for those that are going to truly be using and then supporting the tool. Mm. That makes sense. All right. So you've trained, I bet you've probably trained thousands of people and you've certainly done a significant amount of travel over the years. So mm-hmm. one of the questions we ask all of our guests is, please share with us one of your favorite travel nightmares. <laughs> well, there have been, I'm lucky there have been a few, but I did have one last year, as uh, one of our colleagues had said, that we were running... Um, we were working in Rochester, New York, and we were running with what they called the Rochester Follies because it was a comedy of errors. So I had been to Rochester a few times uh, for one organization. And on the second trip, I flew to Atlanta to meet with, uh, met up with one of the, our colleagues and getting to Atlanta was really easy. However, on the way home, it wasn't really so easy. So our class ended too close to the last departure date to leave Rochester. So I had to fly out at six o'clock in the morning on Saturday. There were really strong winds, so strong that we really had to wait until they died down so they could de-ice the plane. This was in February, I think, or March. So they finally got us on the plane. They got the crew to de-ice. So the winds died down. The crew could get into the cherry picker to go up and de-ice the plane. So that was our first delay, waiting for the winds and then the de-icing. So we get on the plane. We're waiting at the de-ice crew to come and do their thing. As they're doing their thing, the first officer decided that the cockpit was a little too hot. So he cracked his window and the de-ice spray whipped out <laughs> the entire communication panel. No. no. Yeah. So that pink foamy stuff went all over the cockpit. 
and all over no. all over their electronics. So the that was a big mistake. It was. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that first officer stays a first officer for a while. <laughs> so then that was our second delay while we waited for maintenance to come. So an hour later, off we go, or so we thought we would go. We go back to the de-ice, and once again, there's a delay. This time, the valve that allows the de-ice to get into the engine won't open. So there's a valve in the engine that you have to open to let the de-ice in on the plane. Well, that didn't work either. So there was another delay. So finally get to Atlanta and I connect with my flight to get to Raleigh. And yet there was another delay. I did make it home Saturday, but I think I was at the airport in Rochester at 5 a.m. And I got in a little bit before midnight. Wow. What <laughs> and a how day. long does that flight usually take? Uh, well, from Rochester to Atlanta, it's probably an hour and a half, maybe. <laughs> 50 minutes. So it's normally a total of, if even with the layover in between, it's typically a six hour flight door to door. So it took a good almost 20 hours to get home. <clears throat> That's a good one. Yeah. But again, that one time and I've been doing this now for, oh, I don't want to tell you my age. So for a really, really long time. And <laughs> I can count on one hand, knock on wood, the number of travel nightmares I've had. Didn't you have a, a travel nightmare that won you an award at Rigo University? Yes, this actually, this was the one I think I won the award for. And I had really strong competition because Dan, our president, had a really bad story and it was so bad and he was in and out of planes and in and out of airports and in and out of a hotel and to the client that he said he didn't get a chance to eat for like a day. So oh, that's right. this was worse, but I think he felt that, you know, well, he's the president. He really shouldn't win an award, you know, his award. So I think he felt kind of bad. So I think I actually won it by default. <laughs> That's great. This has been great visiting with you today, Mindy. We sure appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been really nice to talk to you. Always nice to talk to you, Camille, and Steve, and Mike. Well, what a great interview, Camille. Now, as we wrap up, let's take a look at what's on our radar for our next podcast. Coming up soon, we'll show you strategies for conducting the kind of interview that will land you a great project manager. That's right. Everybody's looking for good talent. Uh, good PMO talent is sometimes hard to find. And Rigo consulted with many of our over 600 customers about this very topic. And we have some great ins a great inside look at what makes a great PM. Mm -hmm. Also coming up, we've got Rigo University. It's the CAPPM or Clarity Knowledge Sharing Event of the Year. So mark your calendar for April 22nd through 26th of next year and join us at the beautiful Lansdowne Resort and Spa in Leesburg, Virginia. The resort is in wine country, eight miles from Dulles International Airport. Yes, join us in person. It's going to be an amazing event. Check out RigoUniversity.com. So everybody, thank you for joining us today. If you have a question, again, please drop us a line at podcast at RigoConsulting.com. We don't want to be lonely. And by the way, this PPM podcast is produced by Michael Murdoch.